1: I'm Brian
2: Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays
3: at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. Good morning. It is 5 a.m. on Wall Street. Here's your top five at five. The Dow making it five in a row. Markets' uh, win streak continues, but there's a fight on to keep it going today. Futures facing pressure ahead of the open. Retail earnings helping to fuel the rise with additional results on deck. Target and Lowe's set to report today. More companies shuttering factories in China as that country grapples with a drought-induced power crisis and growing concerns around its economic outlook. Retail traders once again piling into Bed Bath & Beyond, sending the stock skyrocketing on news of a big bet on the struggling retailer and downplaying a new potential deal, Elon Musk doing what he does best, uh, whipping up a frenzy over talk of buying one of the world's most valuable football teams, formerly valuable, they're bottom of the league right now. It is Wednesday, August the 17th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Very good morning to you. I'm Wilfred Frost uh, in for Brian Sullivan this morning. Let's kick off uh, with the Futures Board and uh, get you up to speed on what we're looking at. Uh, of course, yesterday, uh, we did have gains for the down the S&P, only slight for the S&P, two-tenths of a percent. The Nasdaq was down two-tenths uh, of a percent. Uh, but we are looking at futures pointing to a negative open uh, today. The S&P yesterday did get its third straight session of gains, uh, in part because uh, of strong results from Walmart and Home Depot. And uh, we will get more retailers reporting uh, today when we get target and lows, uh, those results coming before the opening Bell this morning. Uh, We also want to check in on the bond market this morning, seeing the 10 year up to about uh, 2.8%. The threshold uh, crossed uh, yesterday, and uh, in fact, uh, still uh, above that level. Uh, Oil markets, uh, crude prices recovering from uh, sixth month uh, of lows following a larger than expected uh, drop in US uh, oil and gasoline stockpiles. A fresh signal that demand remains firm. Uh, Check in on uh, WTI trading. Uh, This morning uh, in and uh, around uh, that uh, $86 uh, mark. Uh, Also, quick check on uh, Bitcoin as well, which has sort of been flat over the last uh, couple of sessions. Moving on uh, to uh, Asian trade this morning, a decent uh, jump uh, this morning. For Japan, up about 1.2 percent for uh, Asia, for Japan, Hong Kong, Shanghai, up about uh, half a percent. Uh, Yesterday, there were declines uh, for Asia off the back of that Chinese GDP print. So we're just uh, regaining a little bit uh, off the back of that. European trade this morning, uh, not too much action there, seeing Germany down a little bit. uh, The rest of uh, Europe uh, broadly flat. Uh, The headline here uh, in Europe today has been the U.K. inflation print, uh, CPI jumping 10.1% in July. It's the highest level since 1982. It's an uptick from the June read of 9.4%. And the expectation uh, was 9.8%. Month-on-month, we did see it uh, slow to 0.6%. That was, though, higher than expected, lower than the previous month-on-month figure, but pretty high for the month of July. That's usually meant to be fairly tepid uh, in terms of uh, month-on-month gains for UK inflation. And uh, a quick response from the UK bond market, the two-year gilt, Up 25 basis points to 2.4%. That's the highest level since November 2008. So pressure immediately back on uh, the governor of the Bank of England to hike once again. Uh, But uh, the headline is that U.S. futures are pointing lower this morning. S&P down about 0.4%. Let's get you up to speed on this morning's other top stories. Bertha Coombs is here with those for us. Good morning, Bertha.
4: Good morning, Wilfred. So good to see you. We've got two more companies closing plants in China's Sichuan province as a drought-induced power crisis worsens there. Toyota and contemporary Amperex 10 Technology, the world's top battery maker, are the latest to halt operations in the region. Both companies will remain shuttered until Saturday. The Sichuan province is highly reliant on hydropower, making it particularly vulnerable to the current heat wave and drought that's pushing up air conditioning demand and drying up reservoirs behind hydro dams. Twitter, meantime, is reportedly trying to get its hands on Elon Musk's text messages amid his bid to exit his $44 billion takeover of the platform. According to Business Insider, Twitter says it wants a search conducted of all of Musk's messages during the relevant period for material related to its lawsuit. The report says the proposed order does not specify when exactly that so-called relevant period is, and many of the documents in the case so far have been filed confidentially. And the Federal Reserve issuing more guidance for banks considering activities involving cryptos. Regulators telling firms they need to make sure there are systems in place before taking on the digital assets to make sure they don't threaten safety and soundness or consumer protections given their volatility. The central bank adds that banks should also notify the Fed before engaging in any crypto related activities. And any banks that had already jumped into the crypto space should also notify the Fed about their involvement. Yet so far, a lot of banks have been very cautious about that. If you've tried to trade on your your bank's platform, they really don't let you do that.
3: No, absolutely, Bertha. And uh, interesting, you put in one of the Elon Musk stories there. And I know we're going to cover the other one, which is my favorite one of the morning uh, at five thirty. <laughs> so I look forward to that discussion. Until then, Bertha Coombs, as ever, thank you so never much. Enough Musk now, knows. retail earnings are providing fre- no. There certainly is never enough Musk news. Uh, retail earnings providing fresh momentum uh, for the markets' uh, recent rally, suggesting uh, an easing of negative sentiment. But that momentum facing fresh questions following economic data out of China and uh, U.S manufacturing figures as well. Let's talk more about uh, all of this with Chuck Self, uh, Chief Investment Strategist uh, at Tandem Wealth. A very good morning to you, uh, Chuck. I mean, uh, clearly yesterday we got a a decent little change in tone from from Walmart, albeit from fairly lowered expectations because they themselves warned about their profits. Is is that the sort of story for markets at the moment? We've got less bad news as opposed to outright good news?
5: Well, yeah, and, of course, it's mixed news because when you look at the housing starts yesterday, they were down big time. And housing, of course, is one of the leading indicators for the economy. But within the consumer discretionary sector, we've got companies that are are, are very much very uh, economy-oriented and some of those that are not. And no matter what happens, people need to shop at Walmart and even Home Depot. Uh, is uh, susceptible to um, uh, being able to run well with the uh, economy slowing down. So we're going to continue to see mixed news because uh, even though the economy has recovered somewhat, the Fed is pounding uh, the economy down with its rises in interest rates to try to decrease inflation.
3: And do you think that that's uh, appropriately priced into markets, uh, or do you think that the markets have got ahead of themselves with the extent to which the Fed is going to be able to ease off that uh, that tightening path it's been on?
5: Well, I came from the fixed income side of the world, so I believe that the bond market usually tells you the truth. And the, in the big inversion in the curve, one of the largest that we've seen in a long time, tells you that the uh, stock market is probably ahead of itself running while you have such a large inversion in the uh, two tens curve. And so uh, we think the bond market has it right that uh, the Fed is going to be raising interest rates and and they're going to continue to raise it until they really beat down inflation. Uh, and and whereas the stock market is looking way beyond that, um, we don't think in 2023 there's going to be a, a decrease in the Fed funds rate. And so, Uh, we we believe the market's a little ahead of itself.
3: So the broader market's a little ahead of itself, but uh, I know there's a couple of stocks you want to talk about that that you do like at the moment. Talk talk us through why you're a buyer of Visa.
5: Well, uh, we we believe in technology generally uh, as a growth area when you have an economic slowdown. And we think that all recessions are are different from each other. And this one will be different in that uh, consumers will be very picky on what they spend on. And what they want to spend on is travel. All you have to do is get on planes these days and uh, lose your luggage like I did. And you can tell that uh, there is a lot of travel going on. And so Visa is a major beneficiary uh, of that.
3: And then Eli Lilly?
5: Yeah, Eli Lilly is our number one health care a pick. They have this great diabetes franchise that uh, has usually made it a uh, higher-than-sector uh, uh, valuation, and now it's about at the sector valuation. And so we think uh, especially long-term investors should be buying uh, Eli-, Eli Lilly here so that uh, they can continue to participate in what's unfortunately a growth industry, diabetes.
3: Chuck Self. Thanks so much for joining me this morning. Very much uh, appreciated. Uh, We're going to head to break now, and uh, futures are pointing to a uh, negative open, down about 0.4% for the S&P 500. And we'll have your big money movers uh, when we return, including why retail traders are continuing to push Bed, Bath & Beyond High. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Uh, Time now for your big money movers. Uh, Four stock stories of the morning. First up, Bed Bath & Beyond. Uh, The meme stock up again today after it soared as much as 70% yesterday before closing about 30% higher on the day. Uh, Retail traders active on social media are piling in as ever on news that board member Ryan Cohen is placing another bet on the struggling retailer buying call options that expire in January The surge in Bed Bath & Beyond comes uh, even as analysts warn about the company's valuation, given its liquidity issues. Uh, As you can see, uh, in extended hours, up another 27% this morning uh, after uh, that uh, 30% rise yesterday. Extraordinary, Uh, 103% uh, in a week. Uh, Let's move on to the next uh, stock. Uh, And uh, we've got a lawsuit uh, for the heartburn drug Zantac, uh, which, uh, of course, relates to GSK and the plaintiff in that first lawsuit uh, has dropped its case. The trial was uh, set to begin next week in Illinois. And the plaintiff uh, alleged he developed cancer from taking the over-the-counter drug. The FDA pulled Zantac from the U.S. market in 2020. Uh, GSK down 1.7%. Uh, let's uh, move on to the next uh, story. If we can just go back a little bit uh, and move on to the next one, which is Amazon. There. Uh, workers at a warehouse uh, in uh, Amazon uh, are in up- upstate New York uh, near Albany have uh, filed a hold uh, on a union election. They're seeking to join the independent Amazon labor union. Uh, it won a historic victory in Staten Island in April, making the first Amazon warehouse in the U.S. to unionize the stocks uh, just down a little bit in the pre-market, really in line uh, with the Nasdaq. Finally, Tencent, the Chinese tech giant reporting its first ever drop uh, in Quarterly revenue missing forecasts. The world's largest video game company and operator of the WeChat messaging platform was hurt by a lack of games being approved by regulators. Uh, Restrictions limiting playing time and COVID lockdowns, uh, and uh, that all hurt the stock. But it's, uh, as you can see, essentially flat in uh, Hong Kong today. Now, to the latest developments over simmering tensions around Taiwan. Uh, China's ambassador to the US warning Washington that Beijing will view further arms sales, uh, official travel by leaders to Taiwan or military activity near the island as further uh, provocations. The warning coming, as Chinese officials call, on the country's richest provinces to offer economic support following uh, data, showing an unexpected slowdown in consumption and output in July. For more on the state of China, let's bring in DeWardric McNeil, Managing Director and Senior Policy analyst at Longview Global. He's also a CNBC uh, contributor. A very good morning to you. Good to see you uh, again. I mean, the the first question I have on this is uh, the GDP number, which obviously disappointed many. uh, Was it that bad? I mean, 2.5 percent GDP growth uh, we'd be killing for here in the, the UK at the moment, I'm sure in the US too.
6: Good morning to you, Wolf. I think it's important to put that into context. You know, China really needs about five, five and a half percent growth to do all the things that it needs to do uh, to keep its economy uh, running and its people employed, something we can get to in a bit. So while you're correct, 2.5% for most is not that bad. But for China, uh, 2.5% is a significant slowdown. And certainly it's far from the expectations that they set themselves back in March, which was a growth projection of 5.5%. But Will, this is an economy that is really showing signs of trouble. There are two uh, numbers that came out that really concern me. One, though, is the 19.9% youth unemployment rate. That's ages 16 to 24. Uh, That's a real problem for Xi Jinping over the long term. Wolf. And what they're looking to do to fix this problem doesn't convince me that this is the right medicine for all that ails China's economy. They've resorted to the old playbook, Wolf, of, of uh, putting a lot of money into infrastructure development. But that's not going to help those numbers that we see for youth uh, employment.
3: And, and so, what's likely to happen here? I mean, any economy that's relied on excessively strong growth rates, when things start to turn, the, the fear is does it collapse totally when, when you uh, no longer have the supportive? tailwind of, uh, of uh, supernormal growth. Is that likely? Are we going to see a total collapse or is this just a temporary pullback?
6: Well, I think the real question is how much of this is really COVID related. You know, There's been a lot of talk about what zero COVID has done to economic performance. I think there's a lot of truth to that. But there's also a lot of policy. We say missteps. It may be intentionally what Xi Jinping intends to do. But, you know, things uh, like pulling back on, as you uh, introduced the segment, on the, t- the tech sector. So a lot of those uh, youth who are going to be employed were previously employed in tech, in the gig economy. And so I'm not sure that after we get beyond the COVID situation, structurally, China's policies and its economy is designed to, to, to really meet uh, what I consider to be the new normal for China's economy.
3: And to what extent does this uh, slightly softer economic outlook hurt President Xi Jinping's political standing? I mean, we've always thought of him as all powerful over the last few years. Is that changing at all or, or not really?
6: Well, I don't think its power is changing. Again, I often say I think there may be some pause with, with him with respect to the policy direction, at least in the short term. But I think uh, we should think that Xi Jinping is pretty assured. That, that third uh, term that he's looking for. And one sign of that, Wolf, is that there are already discussions about him traveling in the fall uh, to Southeast Asia for G20 and for the APEC and potentially even a meeting with uh, Biden. So that says to me that he feels pretty secure uh, in his position going forward.
3: And just finally, the tensions uh, as it relates to to Taiwan with the U.S., do you think those have at least peaked in the short term, uh, even if not solved for the long term?
6: I hope so. Look, I think if you look at what the Chinese response was uh, with the Senator Markey visit, we saw about 30 warships, five warplanes that exercise um, from uh, from China. So that is certainly a step, about half of what we saw. Uh, with Nancy Pelosi. So we are seeing some modulation in terms of response, which says to me that China uh, is looking to try and control uh, what is an, has been an escalatory ladder here. So, but I think it's a short term issue. Taiwan is a long term core interest of China, so it's not going away. But I am fairly confident that we're beyond the worst of what we've seen in terms of exercises in response to the trips that have been taken to
3: Taiwan. George McNeil, as uh, always, a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me uh, this morning here on Worldwide Exchange. Still on deck here, Meta Platforms outlining its strategy to stop the spread uh, of its disinformation, of disinformation, of course, uh, uh, ahead of the midterm elections. The steps the social media giant plans to take when we return with futures uh, pointing lower by 0.4% on the S&P. Welcome back uh, to Worldwide Exchange with futures down 0.4% on the S&P. Now, several states uh, hold, held in, hold, held Excuse me. Uh, key closely watched primary contests uh, yesterday, and a uh, high-profile critic of former President uh, Trump, uh, Liz Cheney, facing a swift defeat in the fight to keep her house seat. NBC's Susan McGuinness uh, joins us from Washington uh, with more on that. Good morning, Susan.
8: Hi. Good morning, Wolf. That's right. Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney may have been hoping for some votes from Democrats or independents, but if they did vote for her, it wasn't enough. Today, our highest duty. Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney suffering a brutal but not unexpected loss in Tuesday's midterm primary election. I love what our party has stood for, but I love my country more. The co-chair of the January 6th committee losing her seat to Trump-backed Harriet Hageman, who supports Trump's false claims, the 2020 election was stolen.
4: I will fight every day to block the destruction of our country.
8: Hageman winning in a landslide, more confirmation of Trump's stranglehold on the GOP, despite multiple investigations surrounding him. Cheney says she'll serve out her term and continue her fight. I will do whatever it takes to ensure Donald Trump is never again anywhere near the Oval Office. The buzz growing louder about a possible Cheney presidential run. Another Republican incumbent critical of Donald Trump winning her reelection bid, Senator Lisa Murkowski, a projected winner in Alaska's Senate race. I hope that we do not become the party of Donald Trump. And Sarah Palin returning to national politics, advancing in her bid for Alaska's House seat. The Democratic Party celebrating President Biden signing the Inflation Reduction Act into law.
6: With this law, the American people won. And the special interests lost.
8: The sweeping package covering climate, health care, and much more of the Democrats' agenda. Republicans warn wasteful spending will not reduce inflation. The president enjoying one of several legislative victories and hoping it gives his party a boost ahead of fast approaching midterm elections. And the president and cabinet members plan to start traveling over the next few weeks to tell voters the benefits of this new inflation law. Wilf?
3: Susan, thanks so much uh, for that. Let's uh, now get an update on the other headlines this morning and uh, NBC's Philip Mina in New York with those. Good morning, Philip. Hi, Will.
9: Good morning. More Trump allies are being ensnared in the web of investigations into the former president. Today, Mr. Trump's former attorney, Rudy Giuliani, is expected to testify in Georgia, where a special grand jury is looking into efforts to overturn the 2020 election. His lawyers tell NBC News he is now a target in that probe, and it's unlikely he'll answer questions about conversations with his former client. In an NBC News exclusive, Boston Children's Hospital is warning its employees of increasingly aggressive online harassment by far-right activists making false claims about its treatment of young transgender people. The hospital first became a target when well-followed social media accounts began making defamatory statements. One allegation said that the hospital offered gender-affirming hysterectomies to children under 18. Conservative influencers with millions of followers have pushed similar false narratives, which has added fuel to the fire. Boston Children's Hospital said in a statement that it condemns the attacks and is working with law enforcement to protect its staff and patients and hold the offenders accountable. For more on this, you can head over to NBCNews.com. Serena Williams was in action on Tuesday as her evolution from tennis fast approaches. Williams was greeted with massive cheers in Cincinnati, but it was a tough match for the legend at the Western and Southern Open. Defending U.S. Open champion Emma Raducanu beat Williams in straight sets, 6-4, 6-love. Williams implied that she would wrap up her playing career following the U.S. Open, which begins in less than two
3: weeks. So, Wilf, it looks like Serena is down to just one more tournament. And I'm very sorry to see that loss for Serena. But as a Brit, obviously delighted to see uh, Emma Raducanu back to back to winning ways. Uh, Philip, thank you so much for that update uh, this morning. Now, still on deck here on Worldwide Exchange, the Biden administration stepping in to try and end a major labor dispute uh, impacting the American supply chain. We'll have the latest on that coming up. And uh, just a reminder, futures pointing low this morning by about 0.5 percent on the Nasdaq. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. The market's recent win streak uh, potentially at risk. Futures pointing to a lower open after the down notches its fifth straight day of gains. But could another round of retail earnings provide yet another boost to the markets? Target and Lowe's are on deck. We preview what to watch in those results. And Elon Musk looking to make another deal potentially. Uh, up late tweeting about a potential bid. For one of the world's most valuable sports teams, it is Wednesday, August the 17th. You're watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back uh, to Worldwide Exchange. Uh, I'm Wilfred Frost, in for Brian Sullivan this morning. Uh, let's check in on the futures boards, uh, which are pointing to a lower open. After yesterday, we did have the fifth positive uh, session in a row for the Dow, a third positive in the row for uh, the S&P, though the S&P is only up 0.2%. The Nasdaq was lower yesterday, but only down by 0.2%. There's the futures board, as you can see. All three of the major averages expected to open low. We're talking uh, about uh, 75 points for the Dow, or about a quarter of a percent. A little bit more than that for both the S&P and the NASDAQ. Uh, S&P expected to open low by 0.4%, the NASDAQ by 0.5%. U.S. Treasury yields uh, rising once again. Yesterday the 10-year rose above 2.8% currently uh, as you can see at 2.86 and yields rising as well uh, this morning in part as well because you're seeing European yields uh, rise the UK yield in particular spiking uh, to the highest level the 2 year uh, since November 2008 after a very strong Inflation print double digits, 10.1% coming in uh, this morning for the year-over-year year number. As you can see there, uh, the short end of the U.S. curve also rising 33 almost on the two-year. Oil prices, uh, let's check in there. WTI has, of course, been pulling back of late, uh, around about $86 uh, dollars per barrel last time I checked, 86.50 uh, and flat this morning. Let's check in on some of your uh, top uh, stories this morning. Bertha Coombs joins us once again with those. Hey, Bertha.
4: Hey, Wolf. Meta Platforms is reportedly outlining how it plans to prevent the spread of disinformation ahead of the midterm elections here in the U.S. According to TechCrunch, the company will focus on political ads with plans to disable them on its various platforms during the week before the November 8th contests. The report says ads that run before the blackout period will be allowed to continue running, but the company will disable most edits for them during that time, including any changes to who they target. Meta also apparently reiterated that it will not allow any posts or ads that misrepresent key details about the voting process. The Biden administration is reportedly stepping into the fight between major freight railroads and unions over contract negotiations. That, according to Reuters, the White House's emergency board tasked with finding a solution is proposing a wage increase between four and seven percent through 2024. That report also says it's calling for retroactive pay hikes for 2020 and last year, along with annual bonuses and more days off. Talks between major freight railroads, including Union Pacific, Berkshire Hathaway-owned BNSF and CSX, and unions, representing 115,000 workers, well, they've dragged out for more than two years now. And this is the story that Will has been wanting to talk about all morning. Elon Musk now throwing cold water on talk of a potential sports deal that he started. Musk tweeting that he was going to buy the soccer team Manchester United. That sent Twitter into a frenzy, as you can imagine, as to whether he was serious or not. Musk later jumping back on Twitter to clarify that he was not. And his comment was a long running joke that he had no plans to buy Any sports teams, but you know, looking at Man U's uh, market cap wealth, that would be like pocket change for him, it would only be two billion dollars.
3: It'd be exactly market caps, two billion, it's up a little bit in the pre market, the share price was that 3.7 percent? It's up a bit uh, over the last month or so. It's famously illiquid, actually, since it, it listed because there's not much of a free float. The Glazer family, of course, control the. Control the company. You know, I, I'd love to say, you know, we should warn him off this. It'd be the worst possible buy. Uh, Manchester United is an awful <laughs> club because I, I do kind of hate them, if I'm honest. But I guess we have to be impartial, uh, oh, even dear. when it comes to sports teams. And, 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 and I mentioned their reach, though. Their, their reach is massive. And, and when you consider... That, that, as yeah. you rightly point out, Bertha, 2 billion market cap is, is relatively small compared to the 4, 5, 6 billion that gets quoted for NFL franchises. And the big difference uh, that we always have to mention with, with these UK sports teams versus the US franchises is that possibility, however small, of being relegated from the top competition. NFL values would be way lower if there was that risk each year that you'd fall out of the competition uh, altogether. And all I will say with a big smile on my face, Bertha, is the risk of Manchester United doing that is <laughs> tiny. But after just two games this season, they are bottom of the league, which is a joy to see. Uh,
4: no no offense to the Man U fans
3: out there. No offense to the Man U fans. I think they'll understand that, that uh, one is allowed to do this occasionally. Impartial on all other topics, not when it comes <laughs> to, to Premier League soccer. Bertha... Thank you so much, uh, and uh, a shame for Manchester United fans. I think they'd like to see a change of ownership, even if uh, the replacement was someone who tended to be fairly, fairly volatile and change his mind a lot. But Bertha Coombs, as always, thank you. Now let's get back to... Earnings season, which rolls on today with results uh, from uh, more U.S. retail giants. Uh, target and lows on deck following, of course, yesterday, better than expected numbers uh, from uh, rivals Walmart and Home Depot. Let's uh, discuss uh, those a little bit more. Target sales and profit outlook uh, in focus after it warned in June that inflation was hurting consumer spending. Uh, inventory levels should uh, uh, signal how much more Target needs to discount to clear out uh, older merchandise. Uh, Let's talk more about it. Uh, Joining uh, me now uh, is uh, Scott uh, Ciccarelli, uh, who is an equity research analyst at Truist. Uh, Very good uh, morning to you. I mean, first and foremost, what happened with Walmart Mm -hmm. yesterday so soon after they profit-warned? In fact, is the U.S. consumer stronger than expected?
7: Well, Wilf, uh, thank you for having me on. Um, what I would say is that I think the the end of the month, actually, or the I should say end of the quarter. So July turned out to be a lot better than what they originally anticipated. There was some easing of some of their cost pressures, especially with uh, gas and diesel, etc. And I think that the consumer came out kind of in force for the, the back-to-school season much better than what they had uh, originally anticipated.
3: And, and does that imply the same will happen to Target?
7: Uh, I think, you know, Target, again, they they had uh, lowered their expectations pretty materially uh, during the, the course of the quarter. And so I would expect a similar general pattern. But we also heard from Home Depot uh, yesterday and, you know, they talked about strong sales throughout. So what, what, one of the things I think is happening with the, the U.S. consumer is not all consumers are created equal. You, you have a really large bifurcation between, let's call it higher and middle income groups and then kind of that, that lower income segment. That lower income segment's been under tremendous pressure with, uh, the food inflation, gas inflation that we've seen. But if you are a homeowner, as an example, and you have you know built up home equity over the last couple of years, uh, you know, and home equity values have actually tripled over the last ten years, you know, you're just feeling better about your uh, financial situation. There, there is that wealth effect, and that, that's that's a real uh, phenomenon for the uh, consumer psychology.
3: And, and so, how does that relate specifically to Home Depot and Lowe's? Because I guess a lot of people expecting home prices to have peaked or at least not to rise as much as they have done in recent years. Does that hurt Home Depot and Lowe's? Or in fact, are they, again, a slight beneficiary if people aren't able to change home? I think it's more the latter,
7: um, quite frankly. you know, You have a scenario where Let's call it uh, housing turnover will slow as more if mortgage rates continue to go up. I mean that's logical because it costs more to you know buy into a new mortgage. Home prices are up, of course, so your monthly burden is going to be higher. But you may be the person who needs extra room. You have a, a young growing family, whatever the scenario is, and what you may wind up doing is just fixing the one you have. And I think that's a big phenomenon. And the simple fact is when you look at um, you know, the, the homes in the U.S. today, something like 90 to 95 percent of all mortgages are fixed at relatively low rates. I think the vast majority are actually 4 percent or lower. And so as a result, like you know, that you, you, with the Fed raising rates, it doesn't blow up your monthly payment. And that's very different than what we saw in, say, 07 or 08, where uh, almost half of all mortgages were variable and people were taking a significant risk. You had the person owning seven rental properties, couldn't really uh, uh, afford that, etc.
3: And, and I know you're, you're a buyer of, uh, of Home Depot. Uh, talk us through which of the other three we've been discussing today, Walmart, Target and, uh, and Lowe's, you think is a buy.
7: Well, uh, my preference is, you know, the home improvement segment. Um, so we are recommending both Home Depot and uh, Lowe's at this stage. We're more on the neutral camp for Target and Walmart, and you know the simple fact is, you know one of the things that's happening in home improvement, you know, and unique to their area, auto parts, a few others, is you have all these uh, inflationary pressures kind of flowing through your P&L. So let's say you are selling a widget for a dollar before, and now you're selling it for a dollar ten. That same widget, you're selling it ju- just one of them, but I have a 10% sales increase, and if I can hold my gross margins, that means I have 10% gross profit dollar growth. And as a management team, I just have to manage my sg to something less than that, and that's a phenomenon that I think will be more difficult for, say, um, you know, the, the mass merchants to be able to hold on to. If you wind up having people trade down to private label, you have people trading down from call it higher cut meats to uh, lower cut meats, or you know, what home, uh, what Walmart talked about yesterday, people trade, trade from deli meats to you know, packaged foods like hot dogs, etc. It's harder to hold on to that, that margin, whereas in home improvement, some of the hard lines, you just don't see that same phenomenon.
3: Scott, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Very much uh, appreciated uh, both Target and Lowe's, of course, reporting before the opening today. So. Still to come here on Worldwide Exchange, fresh concerns around supply chain constraints. The new issues creating hurdles in getting goods to you. Worldwide Exchange, back in a couple. Welcome back. Uh, Two of the United States' key trade routes are facing significant supply chain challenges, making an existing problem even worse. CNBC senior editor Loriane LaRocco joins us now with the details on this. Very good morning to you, Laurieann.
2: Good morning, Wealth. The U.S. supply chain just can't seem to catch a break. Let's take a look at the CNBC Europe supply chain heat map. The labor situation at the German ports is getting worse after the latest port negotiations fail to produce an agreement. Crane Worldwide Logistics tells CNBC if no agreement comes by, by the August 22nd deadline, the backlog of U.S.-bound import containers will spill into the first quarter of 2023. Unfortunately, the labor strife over wages and inflation is growing in the U.K. On August 21st, an eight-day strike at the port of Felixstowe, the U.K.'s largest container port will begin. Reviewing the bills of lading for ports leaving that port are containers filled with Guinness and whiskey for Diageo, breakfast cereals for Kellogg, medical devices, pork shoulders for Pilgrim's Pride, tires, and Ben's food for Mars Foods. We are also adding Liverpool to the strike watch list as 500 dock workers recently voted in favor of a strike. Now, let's head over to China. The CNBC China supply chain heat map shows the continued strain of covid testing on truck drivers, which continues to slow down the movement of raw materials and exports. Adding to that time crunch, the government planned power cuts for industrial plants as a result of the record high temperatures. Some manufacturers in 19 cities have been ordered to shut down production for six days. Intel and Apple have manufacturing plants in those impacted areas. The region is also a hub for lithium battery manufacturing and solar cells. Now, remember, playing catch-up to recover from any delays in manufacturing or closures takes weeks, not days. Wilf?
3: that that's really interesting. interesting to see the heat map looking so much worse in, uh, in Europe than in, in Asia as well. Uh, and uh, in terms of the U.S. ports uh, that have had their own share of, of congestion, how, how are things looking there?
2: Well, things are still pretty much status quo. The Port of Oakland tells CNBC they're still clearing out the containers from last month's trucking strike. And looking at the U.S. supply chain heat map, the port has the longest wait time of import containers. And sitting at the ports right now, Wilf, are empty wooden barrels for Robert Mondavi wine, numerous containers filled with auto parts, Melissa and Doug puzzles, Italian furniture and wine, and flooring. Back to you.
3: Laurieann, thank you so much. Uh, very much appreciated. Still to come here on Worldwide Exchange. The market's recent rally potentially at risk. We've got futures are pointing lower. We've also got more earnings uh, on deck, particularly from the retailers this morning. Uh, What to watch in the trading day ahead next? Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Uh, Time for a look at a busy day ahead for investors with uh, two key pieces of economic data out this morning. 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. We'll get July retail sales, Followed by June business inventories at 10 and at 2 p.m., we get minutes from the Fed's latest policy meeting and earnings on deck as well from Target and Lowe's before the open. Cisco Systems reporting after the close. So, what should investors be thinking about today? Uh, let's uh, bring in Delano Sapporo and also Patrick uh, Palfrey uh, with uh, futures pointing to a lower open. The SP's down by about 0.4 uh, percent as things stand. Delano, I'll come to you first of all. Uh, in terms of this bounce that we've seen uh, for markets, do you, do you think it's bounced too too far too fast?
0: Hey, Well, great to see you and good morning. Um, you know, that's a great question. I think part of the why we've seen this bounce is you know, we're seeing a little bit of the market pricing in more uh, easing in a policy from the Fed. And I think that's, you know, uh, uh, might be too early on that. And so that's where you might get too too far too fast. But uh, one good thing of, of with during this rally is we saw in second quarter's earnings, you know, stayed padded. We didn't see a rolling over of earnings for, you know, a lot of companies. There were strong numbers uh, that came out. And I think that's a reason why you're seeing a lot of this relief rally going forward. I think, you know, seeing what happens in September and what is set forth in September is going to be a big for investors to decide if, if we're going to be pushing higher.
3: In terms, um, Patrick, of, of where valuations are at and various comparisons, uh, one pointed out to me yesterday, which is that the dividend yield of the S P 500 is, is back to where it was in March, i.e. it's fallen again as, as equities have, have rallied, yet the 10-year yield, the kind of comparable alternative, has soared. Does that suggest that equities are overvalued again?
1: Uh, Certainly not. I think to put it in the context, we started the year at 21 and a half times with a lot of excesses in areas like Uh, technology and growth stocks, and what happened is interest rates rose and credit spreads widened, and that really removed a lot of the excess, bringing things back in line with long-term averages. And with the profit growth as strong as it is, uh, we're seeing something around 10% in the current quarter, uh, and it's going to remain healthy in the couple quarters ahead of us here. Uh, We don't think valuations look extended, uh, particularly with the excesses being removed from technology, growth stocks in areas where investors typically look for uh, for the strong return. So absolutely not. We don't see valuations extend here.
3: And, and clearly this earnings season has been uh, at least less bad than, than feared, Patrick. But, but from here, you, you forecast that the next couple of quarters will see earnings upgrades, not downgrades? Well, we
1: think, we think growth remains robust. And I think what's important is, Everyone's focused on the pace of deceleration economic data but I think what that does is it takes away from the fact that we're still seeing a very strong economic factor from a nominal basis and companies uh, inflation is pricing power to companies so we're going to see revenues remain strong running in the high double digits and we're going to see profits remain Uh, they're going to hold in. I mean, there's a little bit of margin pressure, let's call it what it is, but we're not seeing anything which is going to result in this significant rollover, which I think was feared as people were forecasting the deceleration to turn into a recession. And We just do not see that in the current data.
3: Delano, in terms of the earnings we saw yesterday on the consumer side, obviously more to come today. Do you think that suggests that the US consumer will support the economy and and avoid a recession coming through? Or or is that still going to arrive?
0: You know, I think that's the hope right now is that you're still we're still seeing, you know, still seeing spending, obviously, you know, different different baskets. And it's kind of bifurcated between, you know, uh, family income. But uh, as you mentioned, I think the big concern is that we're seeing that the consumer is taking on, you know, more debt and those debt levels are increasing. Um, And I think that's one metric for investors to watch, because if that falls through, then we may be in a situation where we're pushing to lower lows um, as we'll see companies, you know, obviously start to change their earning projections on that. So, you know, we're really, really, foc- we're really focused on that data because it's going to have a very interesting pull for what's going forward.
3: And, and Delano, I mean, if we look at it right now, the S&P 500 at yesterday's close is about 11% from its record highs. Remarkable that we're, we're back at that level. What what do you think is more likely in the course of the rest of this year? That we break into record highs once again or that we retest those June lows? You, you, know, you
0: know, I think... It, 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 What's likely for us for the rest of the year is looking, there's a key level you know, that we are looking to break through um, on the moving average, 200-day moving average. And I think if we break through that, it, there's a very high possibility that we will break to higher highs, and which is, as you mentioned, remarkable from what we saw year to date uh, earlier this year. So um, I, I'm, I'm pricing in, or it could be priced in, that we, we break through those levels that we'll potentially see higher highs.
3: Patrick, uh, is there a risk to your positive outlook that, uh, that rates continue to go up from the Fed uh, more than expected if we saw another 75 basis points this year, albeit a little more spread out? Would that make you more bearish or not?
1: Well, so I I think the question is, what's the market expecting? And, you know, we're expecting or at least the market's expecting a a rate of around three and a half to three, seven, five by the time we get to the middle of next year. So the the expectation is for a continued ramp in Fed policy really to fight inflation. Right now, the most recent CPI reading gave hope that we have seen the peak. If it's not the peak now, we are in the process of seeing a peak. So that individual data point isn't necessarily important but as long as the pace of cpi continues to come down and the fed begins to remain data dependent on what inflation is doing i think it gives hope that the market continue to move higher uh, as we begin to match the policy against the decline in, in in inflation i think that's really key and that will allow valuations to expand because valuations suffered as interest rates rose to your point earlier but we don't necessarily think that the fear that the Fed is Mm -hmm. going to crush the cycle and run away ultimately causes a problem here.
3: Gents, we'll have to leave it there. Thank you both uh, very much for joining us this morning, Patrick and Delano. European markets have just worsened during the course of the hour. The DAX is now down half a percent and the S&P 500 down 0.4 percent in the futures market. That does it for Worldwide Exchange. Scorebox is next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern, only on CNBC.
6: It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.